Welcome to the Conscious Business Podcast. I'm your host, Phoebe Lay, and I'm so excited that you're here today. On our podcast, we are going to be talking about the things that inspire you in business to help you create a conscious brand that will not only build credibility and give you more opportunities in your business to thrive, but also help you to create in a deliberate, conscious kind of way. This is a place where meaningful conversations will inspire you to create, pursue, and thrive and shine in business. Today, I am super thrilled to have Emmanuel Anthony on the show. Emmanuel is not only someone who I highly respect in the world of personal development, but he's also been a coach of mine and is regarded as a good friend of mine as well. Emmanuel Anthony is a researcher, writer, teacher, inspirational speaker, Martini facilitator, and a consultant who works one-on-one and one-to-many to assist human beings globally to overcome mental health disorders, common challenges, achieve their goals, expand human awareness, maximize human potential, gain clarity on their mission, and lead highly inspiring lives within all areas of life. He has served thousands of clients over the past 11 years, and his teachings have been shared online, on radio, television, throughout workshops, as well as speaking engagement. Emmanuel Anthony is someone that not only is a human behavioral specialist, but I think that he has a very down-to-earth point of view when it comes to all seven areas of life, not just business or not just health, not just personal development, but all seven areas of life. And we will talk about the seven areas of life very shortly as well. Emmanuel, welcome. Hi, thank you. I, I can never get sick and tired of that intro. <laughs> as interesting as it is, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this, especially during this COVID period, maybe looking at their lives, maybe taking a deep dive and a deep look into where am I going? What's my job security? You know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And they're probably doing it in a very different way than they've done ever before because of the consistently changing landscape, regardless of where you are globally. I know I'm seeing that with my clients. But when I hear that, it's it, today just hit me that when I was maybe 10 or 12, if you had told me that that would be an introduction for me in my life's work, I'd go, no way. Like I'm, I'm just a little guy in Melbourne who barely speaks English. Uh, when you told me that in my 20s, I would have said, no way. I'm just a guy that works in retail. I sell suits and clothes. <laughs> I still love them today, obviously. And now hearing that and dedicating my life to it, it's, it's very beautiful to be here with you, Phoebes. And, uh, and like you said, I consider Phoebes to be a very close friend as well. We met on a networking for business kind of Zoom call with a group of people. And I've been very blessed to spend time with you and Edwin and um, really get to know the two of you on a very personal level as well. And once all of this comes down, I'm so excited to have you guys in our newly renovated house because we're all foodies. So we can actually have some food and some conversation and spend some time and give you guys a hug, something that feels like we haven't done for so long. Absolutely. I think I definitely remember that first ever Zoom. And I remember in a crowd, you just stood out and I was like, I need to speak to that guy. Don't know what it is, but he just resonates with me. And here we are today. We've had each other on this show and had you on Facebook Lives and you've become my coach, my personal coach. And you know, we've hung out, had dinners in Sydney as well, which I hope to get back to very soon. I can't wait. <laughs> it's been so long. I know. And, and I think that's the beauty of the journey that a lot of people don't realize. For me as a coach, I really want to get to know people. We knew each other as friends prior to this, but 
there's two ways that my coaching naturally evolves, I find. And you're, you know, you might be the same for your business as well. I either have friends and then they become clients. So I call them friends. <laughs> and yeah, I have the other way sometimes as a client and they also become a friend because it's it's almost impossible for you and I to have conversations that you may never have spoken to anybody else about. Because when we do the work, we've got to go as deep as we possibly can and understand every aspect of you as a person and how you've become who you are today and where it is that you're inspired to go. So we're peeling back those layers. So when somebody shares that much information with me, I like to think I'm like a best friend. You can tell them almost anything. But at the same time, I'm your results person. I'm there to get a result. So that mixture for me is amazing. It's my favorite mix. And that's probably the reason why I've created most of my friendships to be like that and work 12 hours a day because I love it. It's absolutely inspiring. So yeah, loving watching your growth, loving watching your challenges and loving seeing you and your relationship as you and Edwin really take those on too as well in an ever-changing environment. It's an interesting time. It would have been interesting building a relationship in general, but you guys are doing it on such unstable grounds and gaining strength with it. So it's beautiful to watch. <laughs> Look, these border changes and the closures of travel has definitely made it challenging, especially since working with you. We have discovered the benefits and the drawbacks. And I remember, let's backtrack a little bit before we go into it. When I first met you, I didn't realize that you were so dedicated to John D. Martini's work. I'd love to know what was it about John D. Martini's work that stood out for you? You have qualifications in multiple areas. So you've not just done and studied the D. Martini method, but you were doing coaching and NLP before that as well. What was it about the D. Martini method that made you go, aha, that's what I want to teach and focus on? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one that I speak with my clients a lot on. I find that there's so much personal development work that you can do out there. It's such a saturated market. And today we were counting, and I believe we counted uh, just a bit above or around $300,000 in personal development and growth. I've been doing this for 11 years. And when I first started, it was all free stuff because I, I didn't really had managed my money to a degree where I could just go and attend courses. So I saw Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra. I just saw as many people as I possibly could in the field. And one day I saw Dr. John D. Martini speak. I never heard anybody speak like that before. I mean, he was talking about physiology, psychology, biology, anatomy. It was just the subject categories that he was moving from one to another and joining the dots for. I thought I'm honestly staring at a genius here. I didn't know that that could exist in this world. But once I did his work and I did the breakthrough and I broke through my father, I was so profoundly touched by what was going on. I don't think I listened to the part where he said you could become a facilitator. So I kind of went to NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis, worked closely with psychiatrists and psychologists. I've still got some psychiatrists, psychologists, and doctors that refer specific clients to me today on very, very extreme cases, which I love working with. But as I went through that, I noticed that each one of these different fields were good, but they weren't great. There's a hierarchy in terms of the level of growth and the result level that you were able to achieve. And I'd serve 100 clients and then learn something else, hypnosis, utilize that in my practice and then see what that would do. And it was like I was stepping up, but it wasn't until I went back to John's work a couple of years later and then got certified. And then I started working with my clients and results went up like 80%. And my dedication has always been to my clients' results, not what my certification is. I don't tell people all my qualifications. It doesn't matter. What matters is the results that they're actually able to achieve. So John's work has stood out as being the number one work that I've been able to find. My system of study is to break stuff apart and try and find what's not working. And it's the only work I haven't been able to find how that I like a way in which it doesn't work. Everything else, I've found holes and then I've had to research something else. But then I discovered that John's the leading human behavioral specialist also the Guinness book record holder for most books read by a human being. So whatever fields I was looking to study, when I had conversations with him, he said, 
I studied that field. I studied the complementary opposite fields. I studied the original origins and the renegades that created the field. And then I worked my way up through there. Whereas most of us would just go to somewhere and learn something, but it's a person's variation of the original writings. So in doing that, he's been able to find the holes that I was finding and plug them in and already had the answers. So the minute I saw that, I said, well, he's going to save me a lot of time. So why don't I specialize in that? And my clients are getting the results that I want. So now I'm eating two birds, one stone, my own desire to uh, research, write, teach, and discover the most profound knowledge that only a certain hand few have, and then share that with people and see very specific results. Because that's the only thing I'm interested in my consulting, very, very specific results. So yeah, that's why I specialize. And you know, today I get to email, speak to John personally, and it still blows my mind that I get an opportunity to do that. Mm. What are some of the common challenges that you see a lot of business owners have? Because I think a lot of the people listening today are conscious business leaders. And for someone that is already considered a conscious business leader, or they are actively working on themselves, what do you think would allow them to become even more conscious or have even better results? Well, there's a few things. Number one, I see more things on the outer side, outside of business and impacting the business than I see in the business. And that's what we call the foundational level of growth. I did an inspirational speech for the government in Aboriginal affairs. This was a couple of years ago. And as I put together a presentation for half a day and I started communicating with them, all of the major challenges as I did a survey and got them to put their hands up were mainly around outer life, relationship challenges, things happening at home, self-work. There was a whole range of things that had nothing to do with business that was impacting business. I later on had the opportunity to work one-on-one with about you know, six of the major leaders that were there in um, the heads of the departments. And as we worked through those, the uh, results increased in the other areas of life and within business. And we didn't even touch business. What I find is there's a few pillars of things that business owners can do. Number one, usually when a person's getting into entrepreneurism, there is no, you can read a few books here and there, but you're usually discovering and creating the path yourself. So it's a very interesting field. And when you're really inspired, sometimes you go too much into the business and working aspect, sacrifice other areas of your life. And there's a lot of people that are promote, you got to hustle, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I'm, I'm not that. And so you want to keep the hustle for a small percentage of it, but create a realistic ecosystem and time frame in the way that you work so that you can have longevity in what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to burn out really quickly. So what that means is why not have longevity in your relationship? Put time aside for it and make sure that you 90% of the time protect that time. And the other 10%, you may have some really big business that you sacrifice that for. Make sure you look after your physical wellness and well-being. Otherwise, all the money you make is going to be spent later on in really expensive surgeries and things trying to get you back into wellness and well-being. So that's pretty pointless as well. So the first thing I would say is look after what I call a wealth maximizer calendar. Look after your day. Learn how to have all seven areas and have as close to a balance as possible so that you can create something that has longevity, it's sustainable, and it's something that you're actually able to do for a very long period of time with very minimal resentment. That's the first thing. Second thing is learn how to manage your emotions. Even uh, Warren Buffett said it, you will never create a large amount of wealth if you do not learn how to manage your emotions. So in the work that you and I did, that was one of the first things we did. And then you could implement all of that into business. As things were happening in business, what's both sides of this? How do I use it to prosper and um, learn how to move forward? So you know, whether it's having a coach that I find is really great because you can just leverage somebody else. But learn the fundamentals of managing your emotions and human behavior so you can understand how to implement that into your business and self-regulate yourself as well. So you can do that to a great degree. So I would say if you do those two things, 
can be fantastic. The other thing is obviously in the seven areas of life, what you put into you, how much water you drink. A lot of people are addicted to you. You said it yesterday on, a, on an Instagram post. You're like, dude, how the hell have you given up caffeine? <laughs> but I said that, you know, for me that I, I almost had to because I stopped drinking it for many years. I went to bodybuilding and drank green tea and then I went back to caffeine. Now I have a major come down. It's almost suicidal. It's the weirdest thing ever. So Renee will make sure that if anything caffeine is handed to me, she is almost like a bodyguard. She's like, don't give him that. Give him decaf, but don't give him that. He loves the taste, but he, he'll have a, an extreme reaction to that. For me, I try to keep as many things in my system that maintain a level of equilibrium. I'm not saying give it up altogether, but if you're drinking a lot of wine during the night, I used to drink half a bottle. I'm not as an alcoholic. I just drink and then I'd make a few phone calls and then I'd read and then I'd research. And next thing I know, half a bottle's gone. So <laughs> the minute I cut that down, all of a sudden I realized that I wake up really fresh the next day. I like this especially being 37, turning 38 next year, the more energy and vitality I have, especially when people that are 25 or 30 go, how do you have more energy than us? I go, that I'm loving. Just making sure that you keep an eye on the foods and the things that you're putting inside of you and try and keep things that will keep you level and balanced so you start to control your energy instead of having junk foods and everything else control the energy around you. I know I'm asking for a lot here in terms of that, but those that are doing the greatest in most fields, they're doing all of these little 1%. So pick one or a couple to focus on but if you, the more of them you do, the more success you're going to have. Look, I totally agree because five years ago when I first started in business, I thought I was at my optimal health and I was five years younger than I am now. Or maybe it was four years ago where I thought, yeah, this is me at my optimal health. And over time, things started to become... I guess in my conscious awareness in 2019, actually stopped eating meat and dairy altogether. And it came out of a juice fast. I had no idea that I was going to turn semi-vegan plant-based. And now even the time that I wake up, how much time I'm spending on social media, a lot of people think as a social media coach and someone with a digital marketing agency, I'm on there all day long. But in fact, I actually browse it a lot less now than five years ago, except to reply to my community and posting. So I think business, to be optimized in business, your health is very, very important and as is your mind. So Emmanuel, you find growth. That's one of your, I know personally that that's one of your highest values. We've spoken about this. How can people who are wanting to become more growth-minded or they're wanting to expand their growth, like what are some practical ways where they can start? Yeah, great question. I'm probably saying that a lot today, but you're really having some great questions. One of my <laughs> lights just died on me on the left there, so I just got a little bit darker. But I did notice that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I've got a studio of lighting here. But one of the things that I can definitely say is that you want to look at all seven areas of life. It, it's so easy for us to look at the areas that most inspire us. So I'm inspired by human development and growth. And when I had an office in Turak in Melbourne, um, I've had two offices there. I would be there from six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock some days, leave at one o'clock in the morning. And I did that over and over again, but there was a sacrifice to other areas when I first got into this field. So one of the first things I'd say is have a look at all seven areas of life and ask yourself, what am I inspired to do in every area? Some areas are going to have a greater level of inspiration than other areas are. But regardless of that, you want to make sure that you have goals that inspire you and fulfill you in all of those areas of life because what you run away from, you run into so in other words, you may be great at business. You may make a large amount of money, but two years from now, you may also be going through a divorce because you never took the time to really manage your relationship. And what you thought was a little problem turned into a massive one. That became a challenge for you. Not managing certain aspects of finances in your business now turned into a large tax bill. There's so many different ways in which you can have challenges that occur by you not looking at that. So if you want to increase your growth mindset, 
don't just look in the areas that you love, but have a holistic approach where you look at all the different areas and just chip away a little bit in each one of them. A lot of people think that you've got to have massive results in your first month or that kind of thing. I've got some new onboarding clients. You've done work with me as well. So you know this. And as we're working together, one of the major things I'm telling them is, hey, guys, calm down. I just want a little bit of growth. I'm like a personal training for your mind. And you don't go in the first day and say, I'm going to become Mr. Olympia by the end of next week. Maybe we just do 10 reps and get you to do great form at five kilos on a shoulder press each arm. But next week, if you can give me 11, I'll take that. And if the next week you can give me 13, I'll take that. And then maybe we go a little bit heavier in the weight next time. And yes, you'll do less. So you feel you went backwards, but you didn't. You're doing a stronger weight. And in a couple of weeks, you can do the same amount of reps as you did when you first came in. And that is progressive growth. So that's the next thing I'd say to people. Set a realistic expectation. And by the inch to cinch, little bits of growth every single day of what you're looking for. And we aim for perfection, but we always set up for progress. Perfection is never achievable. I can guarantee you that. But we set it as a really beautiful bar that will get us to shoot so high that it's like we're, you know, we're shooting for Venus and we're hitting the moon in that. So there's some of the major fundamentals that I give people. By the inches of cinch, try and do a little bit every single day. Master plan, methodically set that out. Give yourself permission to just grow a tiny little bit. And over a year, all of that stacks up. What would you say to the people who are caught in the details? They know that they're a perfectionist, they're overcoming it. They're still caught in the details. They really want to get one area right. Perhaps it's their business and they just want to hit a certain goal, but they're also juggling their finances, they're juggling their family, their relationship. How do you help your clients focus on all seven evenly as opposed to just one? Yeah. So when you're looking to create perfection, one of the things, and that's why I keep saying to my clients, it's almost like a saying after the first couple of weeks of clients work with me now, because it's, it's just going to progress over perfection, progress over, we just keep drumming that in. At the end of it, they go, oh my God, I've been able to balance massive aspects of my life, let go of all of these emotions. Like this is huge what I've been able to achieve. And I go, yeah, and it's so close to perfection, but it isn't there. So that to me is fantastic. And it's above and beyond where you would have been if you hadn't have done that. So that's the first thing. It's like, it's progress over perfection. You're not going to get it. Secondly, get in the game. One of the things that I always did was just get in the game, Emmanuel. You'll figure it out as you're going along. Yes, methodically planned, but at some stage, you've got to execute and go out there and do things with it. The perfectionism trait has benefits and drawbacks. Every human trait has two sides. And quite often, people will forget that and they'll exaggerate and infatuate over that part of themselves and not realize that the benefit of it is going to push you to achieve your goals and do that in a highly profound way. But the drawback of that is that you're quite often going to sacrifice relationships, take your time to get to places and all of those things, and it has an impact on all other areas of life. So embrace the fact that the perfectionist in you has two sides. It's worth honoring both, but don't put it on a pedestal. Realize that it has two sides and appreciate both of them. Mm, I love that. And the last part I just quickly remember that you said, how do we do that in all areas? Once again, progress over perfection. So what's my goal with Renee this week? She was working Monday and Tuesday outside of the house. So I have a simple goal. One great beach walk. I stuffed my foot the uh, earlier this week. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. But if we don't, a high quality activity in that during the week to make up for that. But at least one hour every day of high quality time, whether it's cuddling in bed, conversation, whatever it is, eating dinner, phones are away. That's it. Small goal. Anybody could achieve that, really. I've got a small goal for work to be as present as possible today. A couple of small goals. Absolutely kill this podcast. Be as present as I can be. Have as much fun. Laugh. Enjoy this with you. I haven't spoken to you and seen you on camera for a while, so it's also great to see you. It feels like you're here in person to a degree as well. And I've set each one of these goals 
They're in all seven areas of life. I like to personally set a goal for every area of life every day. I feel much more fulfilled, but most people set up chunks in a week. They might do a really big physical one on Monday, a relationship one on Tuesday, et cetera. That's fine. I just love feeling fulfilled in all seven areas every single day. Uh, maybe it's because I've almost died eight times. So I feel that the next time, I think if I'm a cat, I think they'll get nine lives. The next one could be the last. <laughs> so I just want to get as much as I can out of life. I think I saw that on Instagram. Tell us a little bit about that. How have you nearly died eight times? And how have I not known about this? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, wow. Did you see, was it the photo of me in hospital with like breathing apparatuses and stuff? Was that what you saw? No, I think it was just the thread on your post, okay. you and Renee. Yeah. So growing up, I mean, this is kind of why I have such low pharmaceuticals that are placed into my bodies in general. Over an eight-year period, I almost died eight times. Not everything was due with being in hospital, but I've popped my left lung. So when you go to uh, get an x-ray and they show your lungs, they're like two pieces of steak. And, you know, they'll quite often have like the white x-ray and then your lungs, which would be the darker part or whatever it is, might be the opposite way around. Well, the first time that I popped my lung and I went to the hospital, there was only one lung there <laughs> they did the x-ray. The other one was so flat. It was just thinly placed. You completely wouldn't even see deflated. it. Completely deflated. Completely deflated. So they had to put pipes, these tubes in me, drain it out. That's all the stuff that they do. Because if somebody gets shot and it goes through their lung, basically does the same thing. And it repumped itself up. It's an intense experience. If you ever popped your lung before, in my case, it was called a spontaneous pneumothorax. Spontaneous happened to tall, skinny, athletic kids. So when that happens, you're not breathing. You kind of go... <laughs> So it's like you can breathe in, but not out. It's just the weirdest feeling and really short breaths. It's, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. Second time that happened, I'm in year 12. And now the place where I fell down, I remember hearing a voice in my head. It was after school, like the left side of my arm or the right side, it just started to go limp and I couldn't feel it anymore. Like I was having a heart attack and I was joking in front of my friends and going, hit my arm and it was flopping about. And they go, how are you doing that? It's like, yeah, I've got no bones. And I went, I don't know, something doesn't feel right. Anyway, I fell into the sister's office at the time. She was a person that looked after everybody. But in the hallway before that, I was like, I can't carry my bag. I can't carry my graphics fold out. Let's just rest here. And a voice in my head said, if you rest here, you'll die here. And anyway, later on when I went to hospital and they looked at me, they said, yeah, you would have been half an hour from dying. Uh, we're lucky we got to you when we did. So this time they did a much bigger scar. There's a bigger incision and they had a look inside of me and they said, you can't just keep popping your lung. We've got to figure out what's going on here in terms of it's the same reason I can't wear a mask today as well. They don't want me blocking that. I can breathe perfectly fine and all those things. But if something blocks both of my breathing holds and I'm going to have challenges with that. Then after that, I had a tumor removed from my kidney or liver. I always forget because my wow. father had cancer in his, I think he was, was the kidney. And then the next year I had a, a tumor removed from my liver and it was the biggest one they'd seen. So I, I can't remember which one it is because those two years were such a blur, so much happening for the family. Then had other incidences. I think it was Armadale. I was walking in a back street. As I was walking, this story always sounds surreal to tell, but it's a very interesting experience. A car, a lady, an older lady, stepped on our accelerator instead of a brake. And as she was walking, went flying over the like the front part of where her car was parked. So usually you got those little things, those, what are they, concrete things? She sped over that. And my instant reaction, which I don't know how I did this in a three-piece suit, because I was, I was kind of looking at my phone, was jump, slide on the bonnet, and you should land on your feet. It was just instantaneous because her car didn't just stop afterwards. It literally stopped about a meter past me. So if I didn't do that, I was either under the car or over it. But anyway, I landed. Funniest thing was, it was so spontaneous. I didn't expect that to occur. The first thing I did was fix my tie. Like it was a James Bond <laughs> movie or something. 
I fix my tie after landing, check my suit, look at my phone. And then as I look at my phone, I look to the left because all the cars were parked that way. And people are slowly peering their heads out of their cars and just going like that. And now it's you just had a near-death experience yeah. and did a Jackie Chan. Yeah, and then <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, let me fix my tie. Yeah, let me fix. And that's it hit me because I just fixed my tie and I was going back to my phone, but it just happened so quickly. Like there was just you either reacted or you were going to get hit by the car. I happen to be an athlete most of my life, so I'm used to reacting to things. So as that occurred, I, I looked and it was like. 15 people had gotten out of their cars and they were coming over. So that was another time. There was a whole lot more to that, but that was another time. And I just learned about human behavior. So I remember going to the cafe and telling a lady about it 20 minutes later, and she said, you should be shaking. And I said, oh, well, adrenaline's running through my heart at the moment. I can tell my sympathetic nervous system isn't where it should be. <laughs> She's just going, it's very clinical. I said, no, I'm, I'm actually, this is interesting because I learned this stuff and now I'm watching my body go through it. In that, I had a time when I was younger and I was crossing the road. This is some paranormal stuff. I, I can't explain this. This is the life that I live. Maybe it's why I do what I did today. As you are when you're in year 12 or whatever you listen to, well, actually it was a little year nine or 10, I think it was, listening to earphones way too loud. I think it was old school Disman. You have to carry that thing with you. Not looking across the road, I got shoved and went flying backwards. And as I looked around me, nobody had shoved me. And all of a sudden the car goes past in what was a 50 lane or something like that at about 80 kilometers per an hour. So now wow. I, I, I just couldn't figure out why didn't I get hit by that car? Because there's nobody around me, but I literally went three, four steps backwards in that as well. Had that experience, there's been a lot of profound experiences throughout my life where I felt that I should have died. They're just a couple of them, but since then it's created this real quality for life and just this thing inside of me. So there were periods in my life where I just think about, wake up, just realizing that I almost died and then remembering each one of those, but they're not tragic. A lot of people think they're tragic experiences. They're not, they're the highest inspiration that I have because when that happens year after year, you start to ask, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why have I been saved? And you get really humble and in near close to death experiences, you start to think two things. I just want to love the people that are closest to me and give them one more hug and tell them, I genuinely love you. Whatever we've gone through throughout our life means nothing. In this moment, I want to look you in the heart and the soul and tell you I love you and have that be the last thing that you remember. The second thing is you look at your life and say, you know, my mentor said it in these words, so I, I don't think I can say it any better. Have I done everything I can with everything I was given? And because that happened so many times, I've dedicated my life to that because I want to be able to say that I've done everything I can with absolutely everything that I was given. And my life is dedicated to that today, not just for me, but for you guys, my clients as well. And I hope it comes through in my consultations because there are times when I'll literally hold people accountable. Just go, no, that's bullshit. I don't know if I can swear on here. It's swearing in America, but not in Australia. <laughs> but um, I'll just say, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I'll say, that's bullshit. No, you are holding an excuse. I'm not going to put up with that because your life is much more magnificent than that. Let's go. That's why I care so much because anybody that discovers that and sees it, if you can have that level of thinking in your everyday life before something like that occurs, maybe you save some time to do something magnificent with your life. Maybe you sell permission to do it sooner and maybe you serve a greater audience with that. Wow. That was so inspiring. That actually made me feel really emotional. Mm -hmm. uh <laughs> I can't talk about it without feeling it. Like I can feel there are tears in my eyes. Those moments that we think we're most down and out, quite often are the moments where we're about to go in and through way more than we think. So we need a couple of those in life to just get us to check ourselves and stop being these little shits, kind of like little kids in Turak. They're just given everything and think that the world's going to work for you and you don't have to do any work. It's going to work for you, but you're going to have to do some work too. So they're beautifully 
humbling moments that remind me of the magnificence of life that it can be taken away from you at any time so stop acting like it's going to be here forever and that i've got all the time in the world to do the things that i want no the, the time's limited and i want to do what i can with the time that i have I think that what you just shared has really given me perspective and deeper understanding of you, Emmanuel, because I've always wondered, I'm not saying that not everyone is present, but there is something about you and the heart that you have to help others that really definitely drew me to the work that you do. And I'm really grateful that you've shared and that my audience get to see this. And there's even a live audience watching us right now on Facebook. But I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for those that are watching this is a podcast episode that normally we don't go live in our podcast episodes but I really felt that this was I don't know just spontaneously just wanted to share this on Facebook and get more people to view this and we'll decide after if we cut this bit out or not <laughs> my ex, my little explanation <laughs> I love it I love it well, you know there's so much more to my life and it just depends on who's asking about it but you know I'm a little Mauritian kid that came to Australia whose dad was racially, my mum's white, she looks more Asian, my dad's black, and I don't even know what nationally, he looks Mauritian to me, but some people may think he looks like something else, and my grandpa's like black, black, like he's purple kind of thing. So I, I've come from a multicultural family where we're Chinese, we're French, we're Mauritian, you know, th- there's so much diversity, and then I came to Australia, and I wanted to find out who I was as a person, but I didn't speak English, so when you can't communicate with other people, it's such an odd thing because, you know, you're growing up, you want to increase your social influence, but you just, it's like, I don't know how this to that kind of happens. So I guess my observation of life hasn't always been verbal. It's It's been for all my other senses as well. And as I've grown up, so many odd things have occurred within my life that I haven't, I mean, I've been sitting on chairs and a voice has said, turn up, look now, there's a spider on top of you. And I've looked up and gone, Jesus, and just gone, who the hell is talking to me? I may be going mad. What the hell is that? That's happened at different periods of my life. Here's a great one. I was walking down chapel. I used to enjoy uh, the more herbal side of life during my 17 to 27 years old. I experimented with a lot of mind-altering drugs and things like that. And I remember I'm at Chapel Street, some friends are in KFC or whatever, and I've gone out to have a cigarette and a guy goes to walk past me, semi-buff dude, and not the type of guy you talk to normally. And just comes out of me and I say, Matt, are you all right? And I remember going, who the hell said that? That wasn't me. <laughs> Why the hell? And I remember after I said it, my head's going, dude, who gave you permission to say that? And the guy <laughs> kind of looks around and he's like, mate, do you have a problem? And in my head, I'm like, of course he was going to say that. And then- this voice inside of me comes out again and says, I don't have a problem with you, but I know something is not cool for you right now. You don't have to tell me. You don't know me from a bar of soap, but I'm a guy speaking to another guy saying, dude, if, if you want to talk, I'm here. And now he goes, are you being a smart ass? Because, mate, and I said, mate, I'm not. I go, there's a hundred reasons why I shouldn't tell somebody like you. You look like you're about 10 times my size. But something inside of me, and I'm questioning it now, but I know something inside of me wants to ask you if everything's okay. And I'm still at this. It's like there's two parts of me that are saying this. It's like four o'clock in the morning. This guy goes, all right. If you're not taking the piss out of me, I'm not all right. My ex broke up with me and she broke up with me a year ago. And I've never been right since then. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, my doctor said something to me a year ago when I was just trying to get in and get some meds and he, he wouldn't give me some meds. 
you don't need it. And I don't know if this resonates with you, but he said, think of the biggest problem you had a year before today. He goes, man, I can't remember it. So neither could I. About two years prior to this, he goes, man, I can't remember it. This is a problem I'm dealing with. I mean, neither could I. And I said, in three years, four years and five years, I'll have to convince you that you had this problem because you won't remember it. So how important is this really right now? And he just, his face just went, you could see it, his body, his shoulders. And he just hugged me. <laughs> it was the opposite of what I thought I was going to get at the time. And he just hugged me. And he and he just, just looked at me, this big like Lebanese looking dude. You know, is, is this close now? And he goes, man, a weight has just been lifted off my shoulders. He goes, my mom, my auntie, he goes, my best friend was the person that cheated on me. And that's how the whole thing happened. You're the first person that put this into perspective. I know who you are. I don't know why you spoke to me. Because I don't look like the type of guy you want to talk to in the dark alley at night time. He goes, he goes, mate, you've made a difference in my life. I just want to say thank you. He walked his way and I walked mine. But when I talk about destiny, I have too many of those situations and circumstances that have occurred throughout my life. There's a book that I'm going to be writing about the different instances that have occurred within my life and the lessons that have come from them in the next few years. I'm just getting my first one out of the way now. I'm part offering. But there's a lot of those. They're synchronicities. I don't believe in coincidences. So I feel that I've been destined to do this And uh, it was just me choosing to align with that destiny or not. But I've been destined to do this my whole life. There's a certain part of me that always knew that, but giving myself permission was really the difference between me doing it or not. So that's why I'm dedicated to this because it's my own personal story and I see it for other people. It's my mission to try and figure out the two questions that every human being asks. Why are we here? What's our purpose? Some people can go to bed and they just think, okay, well, maybe one day we'll find out. I'm obsessed with... um, getting as much clarity around that as I can before passing away and sharing that with others. So I guess that's how I got to where I am now. And that may give you a little more insight as to why I'm obsessed with helping people in um, certain areas. Emmanuel, that is so amazing. I'm really glad that we went there in this conversation because I was not expecting this to come up in our chat. And that's one of the things I love about the way I run this podcast. It's that I rarely prepare questions because I know that the questions come. And I think that also intuition definitely has a big part to play. Yeah, I think so. And and you know what? The best podcasts that you and I could do, to be honest with you, would be the ones where the cameras and the recording equipment's not there. I think if people listen to a dinner with us and our partners or the pre-conversation before we start this, there's so many times that I've thought to myself, somebody needs to secretly record us. <laughs> I know, that was gold. Even the, even the 10 minutes before this, that was great. <laughs> yeah. So I agree with you. I think it's a beautiful format and I think you run it well and it leaves space for something different to a different conversation to be had. I don't like to be prepared for questions. I like to feel that I've been doing this for 12 hours a day, five days a week, first two years I did for six to seven days a week. I've got the answers to the questions if they're in my field, it's my genius. So for me, it's just ask a question, but depending on how you ask it, there may be a different way in which we answer it. Mm. Emmanuel, what would you say has been one of the toughest kind of experiences that one of your clients have had that you've helped them to overcome? I know there's many. I can't even answer it. I can probably give you a few examples. And the reason being, I could have somebody tomorrow or today that I work with that had has a grief, which is a perceived loss of a partner that they dated for three or four years. And then I can have somebody else that can have the actual death and the perceived grief, for example. I'm just using grief as an example of a grandparent. And the person that may have known their partner for a short period can have a higher level of grief than the other person because it's not what happens, it's their perception of what's occurring. So 
I can tell you that I've worked with extreme rapes and PTSDs and women and men and a lot of gay relationships as well. They've been physically abused. I love working on those because people don't want to talk about certain taboos about what you're attracting into your life and how certain things that you're doing actually bring those relationships forth and increasing the probability of being used or things like that. So I love working on those um, different types of dynamics and helping people really break through those, especially if they've been in forms of therapy where they're constantly told that they're the victim and you can never be a victim of your history or your master of your destiny. So that's one particular type of case that I find is really inspiring and different. Family dynamics is absolutely beautiful. There's so many different associations to parents. I had a large Lebanese gentleman came in and he, you know, this guy was covered in tattoos. Uh, he was a client's partner and we worked on his father. And by the time we were done, he was just hugging me. We were both just had tears of gratitude because years of anger were let go in this um, half-day breakthrough where we took every emotion he had around his father who had been saying had manipulated him and done all this stuff. And we saw the other side realize that he was actually a multi-million dollar entrepreneur and all of his friends that had had the lifestyle that he, he should have had, that had the father that he thought he should have, were all just taking drugs and not really taking accountability for their lives. And he going through those challenges earlier on in life has made him much more accountable and he looks after his family and he's the center of that and he wouldn't have he wouldn't be the person he is if it hadn't it occurred it was actually the challenges that helped him grow and evolve so that's an amazing case and i work with a lot of a few clients working on their parents their self-worth you and i have had great discussions about that because as a business owner any business owner should be working on their self-worth because your vision and your vitality and the growth of your business is only proportionate to how much you think you're worthy of. And even if you think you're worthy of a lot, it's actually minimal compared to what you're actually capable of. So you got to keep expanding that vision as well. So that's amazing. Suicide, I, I could go on for days. I think every, I'm obsessed with human behavior. I can't narrow it down to one field because the extremes in people's perceptions, regardless of the field, can be so full on. It's the reason why Renee is obsessed with, and I, to a degree, I love watching the murder mysteries. They're the most extreme in behaviors of human beings. So we like to watch them from a human behavioral standpoint and then have philosophical discussions as to what led to that. We'll sit there and say, it was her infatuation that created unrealistic expectation and he could never meet that. She created a huge resentment and that's what created the desire to kill him. And we just see it from a whole different perspective. So I can't say every day I feel I'm blessed to work on such different cases, but you know, to do an 8 a.m. on a growing a business and increasing its growth by another mill to then, you know, somebody that's in a really volatile relationship and figuring out whether they want to stay or leave to the next person after that look and increase their self-worth. I love it all. I think it's it keeps me excited, keeps me growing, keeps me evolving, and it keeps me understanding what real humanity is about. I, I don't know how to answer that question, but I hope it did. Even as I asked that, I was like, I don't think that's a question that can be answered, but let's see what comes out of it. So that was a great answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the worst on marketing. Like, you know, as you know, someone that's in marketing, one of the first things people want to say every time is like, what's your avatar? What's your ideal audience? I go, they'll go through my list. Like, you don't have an avatar. You work with everybody. Or even <laughs> like, what's a case I really study? Because it's like, there's, you know, yeah. even the smallest client that you help get a hundred followers or set up a new page, that's as significant as someone that's turned over like a 10X in ROI, for me anyway. And I recently got asked by someone that was really wanting to find out about my agency and whether we'd be able to bring their company, you know, a big company ROI. Some of the questions that I got asked, I found very interesting because I thought, why not ask a question like, what matters to you? Or what are you passionate about with helping your clients as opposed to just the numbers and the figures, which obviously is important, but I think sometimes the most significant results that people should be looking at is the heart of that company and the business owner and really do the values align. 
Yeah. Speaking of values, I mean, we've talked about values a lot. And for those that are listening or watching, they might be wondering, okay, what is looking at someone's values or understanding their values? Is it like, even before I did John D. Martini's work, I used to think values was just about like what I spent the most time doing. Like, how would you define values and how do people figure out what their values are? Yeah, that, you know, this is such an interesting topic because I'll start speaking about values and then I realize that the interpretation and the meaning of that can quite often be misconstrued. So I've got to let people know what I mean by that first. And then as I start talking, we're all on the same page. Quite often values will be misperceived as honor or integrity and things like that because you have company values and, you know, we're honorableness and that. And I say they're not human values. Those are things that you do when you're living congruently and in line with your values. Our values are the areas where we're most organized, disciplined, reliable, and focused about, we think about, talk about, set goals unconsciously and consciously with aren't even being needing to be told. You do that by completing a values determination test at www.drdmartini.com. There's a value section in there. 13 questions that deconstructs your life. So say example, the first question, what do you fill your personal space with? Well, first I've got to get clear. What is my personal space? It's this studio. So I've got a real cinematic kind of vibe going on here because I've got a massive softbox here. But this thing's got lighting. Um, it's got my family and the lighting really is to do with creating video content around human development. And my computers and everything and all they've got on there is basically human development, different ways of communicating and researching that. So that's obviously clearly what's highest in my values. What do I do with most of my time? Now, this is another second question in there. 12 hours a day, human development. The next part of my day is usually working out at least two hours. And then another part of my day is spending time with Renee, at least three hours. So you can tell that the largest to the least amount of my time is to what I value the most. Now, 13 questions. Three answers for each, 39 answers, group them together, you get percentages. Now, my highest one at the moment, and it was weird because for 11 years, it was human development and growth, the expression of my business and researching that myself. That was like 70% of my answers. Then the next one was my relationship and my family. I see that all as the same. Renee's family to me, my fiance's family, everything to do with her family, mine. There's no separation other than um, the family names, but they're all family. And then the third was physical wellness and well-being, but it was like 70, 2010 kind of thing. In the last two years, Renee, and I've been trying to create a family together and I do my values every single month. And I, I remember the shift and I went, what the hell's going on here? Family's number. And I went, oh, I get it now because we're trying to have kids and I don't understand how to do that. That's a completely different area. We've been trying for two years, you know, Austria and everything are on that journey helping us. So that's been the major thing in that. So understanding your values means that you understand what gives you energy and vitality. It's the reason I can work for 12 hours. What are we on now? 12.30. I've got the laptop here and the DSLR here in case people are wondering why I'm looking in all different directions. But it's 12.30 and I've got energy and vitality. I work with people till 8 o'clock and I say, how do you still sound like you're a kid in a candy store? I'm just doing what I love. That's it. But when you know what your values are, you can get congruent and set goals in alignment with that. And five hours will feel like five minutes. And because it's the area that you're neurologically programmed to remember and be able to recite whatever it is that you love, as you read things, your body stores that because it stores from most to least important neurologically throughout your body. So if I ask you about questions that things in areas that you love, even if it was two years ago, it's like a game show. You can't wait to quickly talk. But if I ask you an area about something that your partner values that you don't, you can say, what, they said that? Oh, I don't even remember. How long ago was it? Like you have to almost try. <laughs> so human values are the key to maximizing human potential. They're the key to unlocking energy and vitality throughout the body. And when you do what you love and love what you do, that's when you decrease aging, 
maximize your growth, awaken your genius. Uh, there's so many benefits to doing it. It's, it's one of the most fundamental subjects that I start off. Uh, you know that from working with me. I want to know what your values are. I want to challenge you to do them every month so you can get congruent, make a science out of it and know exactly where you are at any point in life. And then I want you to go out there and do what you love and also learn the skills and the tools to be able to take on challenges as they come. But in any area that you love, you, you want to take on challenges anyway. Uh, in any area that you despise, it's a hassle. It's a mountain in your way. But in any area that you love that's high in your values, it's a stepping stone. You can't wait to do it. So if somebody's into weight training, for example, and you say, hey, you've got to lift this amount more weight next week, they go, oh, that's going to be tough, but they can't wait to do it because for them, it's a baptism by fire. They're like, that's what I love. That means that I'm getting somewhere in that area that I love. So we embrace more challenges in the areas that we love. Because wiser to live a life highly inspired by what you can't wait to go out and do it in the mornings and wake up and feel that you're ready, you want to run out and take on the world, then go out and be despired and have low energy, low vitality, procrastinate, hesitate, frustrate. The body's an amazing thing. It gives you feedback and sit there feeling there's no purpose to life. I love that. And I think since knowing my values and redefining what I thought were values, it's allowed me to also understand my family, my partner, my friends, people around me a lot better. And it's also helped me to really rapidly improve areas that I'm working on and also not judge areas that aren't necessarily growing or improving as quickly as as I want. Like, so for example, I don't normally share this, but for example, I've always wanted to be maybe like one or two kilos lighter than what I am now. Ridiculous, not even a necessary goal. And I realized over time that the reason why I wasn't leaning up significantly and reaching that goal was because it wasn't that high in my value. I just knew that it was probably something more for an aesthetic reason as opposed to if it was because it was going to help me with my health or if it was something that was actually going to improve my business as an example. So I wasn't meeting that goal and I realized I didn't really need to make that a priority or or really measure that anymore because it was like, well, it's not high in my value, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not, you know, I know you used to be a bodybuilder, so that probably would have been Mm. something that... It was high in your values. values. Yeah. But but I'm more like you now because I'm about to set up a gym in our house, but that's only because of the fact that I probably won't be accepted into gyms. You and I were talking about that earlier with decisions that we've made to stay much more natural. But I'm the same as you. Like if if, if I've given a chance to, we, we laughed about this. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, Edwin in the relationship is the go to the gym, you got to do this rep, you got to have this amount of breaths at 101, you got to do this. Like he is like the ultimate coach. And Phoebe's kind of like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But like, instead of doing a whole workout, let's just do half a workout and, you know, get some yum chai afterwards or something and chill. So she's like the chilled one and he's like the methodical planning one. It's a perfect balance between the two of them in that. But like you said, like one's just not in your values and the other one is. So if you get given an opportunity to do something with your time, you're going to move towards more of what you value than the other one. Here's the great news about that that a lot of people aren't aware of. I know I just said, do what you love and love what you do. But I also said, you've got to grow in all seven areas of life. And at times you might be in between where you go, I would like to do my taxes and be much more organized with them, but it's not high in my values. But if I don't, I'm going to have a price to pay for it. You can values link. And what you do is, because I like to think, do a 90-10, 90% what you love and 10%, some things that you may not love, but you realize that they're going to be on the way, not in the way. You're just not inspired to do them. So in that process, what a lot of people can do, if they choose to do it, once again, it's all about choice. 
right 100 to 200 ways in all seven areas of life, physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation, and family, that whatever you're seeing is in the way is actually on the way. And then you increase the energy and vitality while you do that task, activity, or goal. And then you can actually really appreciate it. Now, I wish I had that in uni because in uni, I had two sets of grades. High distinction, pass. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. (laughs) And I had one teacher that I had for like two subjects and he goes, in one of them, I can't believe how good you are. Like your work is above and beyond. In this class, you got an interest. And I said, oh, that's easy to explain. He goes, okay, please explain it to me. I said, I wanted, at the time I did graphic design. I wanted to get into graphic design, creating high-end fashion books and photography. That's what I've always been interested in. And that's what I was at the time. This class is about numbers and doing things around, which is really funny because I love it now, graphs and stuff like that and showing it graphically. I've got no interest in that. I can't see a future in that. So I just want to pass this, but I don't want to have this take up more time in the other thing because when I leave, the only thing that I have that represents my work is a folio. So my folio is going to be high in that area. So he said, but try to convince me. I said, I'm not asking you to convince me. I'm telling you straight out, just give me my pass in this and I'll exemplify in the other area and give you work that you can show students for years. And he went, all right, I'll take that. So, uh, and he stole my work. Your teacher stole my work. When I handed it in, he said, I emailed him. I said, hey, I can't find my work. When I went to go collect it, he goes, oh, no, what happened? It must have got lost. A year later, a friend of mine sent me a message on Facebook. He goes, we just saw your, oh, what was it? It was a magazine I designed. He goes, he showed us your work. Man, that that was crazy. That was absolutely, did you really get a photographer to take the photos and do this and that and liaisons all these people? I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. He told me he lost it. He goes, he hasn't lost it. He's showing everybody. <laughs> so, so that was fun to see. But link what you love. Link what you love or do what you love. But either way, there is a way around that if you choose to. But most of the time, your actions have reason, meaning, and purpose. And we can see that you and I aren't looking to lose a massive amount of weight because it's not as high as no, values. No, and uh, it's, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't make a difference. And I've never had anyone say, oh, you look better when you're X versus X plus two. Like it's, <laughs> it's just yeah. a... 500 grams. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've never looked at you in 40. Are you 500 grams a little more than what you were yesterday? No. Jesus, I think, in fact, considering where food is and if they had the borders open and we could catch up um, with, you know, us and our partners, considering what we'd probably eat and all the different things we'd experiment with, I, I think you not being completely overweight, um, you've done a great job. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, yeah. you know, it, it helps when you definitely balance exercise and also the days when you're not like stuffing your face, you're eating quite healthy. I, I think that's the secret. <laughs> yeah. It's a balance. And that's the key. Like in the midst of everything that I said, where I said, you know, I'm managing what I eat and everything like that. You can go onto my Instagram on times when they're normal. And Renee would have picked something like uh, there's a place called Boral Waters. Uh, Boral Waters. I never say it correctly, but you catch a little boat there and then you go and eat there. And it's like half a day of just the most amazing foods. It's all artistic. You know, the stuff that you pay like $600 or half a spoonful, but it's absolutely amazing. And after a hard week of working, you don't want to cook. And then you have the world's top cooks, you know, five chef hats or whatever you call it, uh, taking you through this experience and you can look at their science and their beauty and really appreciate their artwork. I think those are the things that counteract and balance. So it's important to have those. It's just a case of, in many cases, making sure that there's a balance of that and not overdoing it because overdoing it can have its consequences as well. 
Absolutely. So this brings me to my rapid fire questions, which I do have planned for today. I think we already probably know the answer to question one, but I'm going to ask it anyway and see what your response is. So Emmanuel, I'd love to know who is it that inspires you the most or what inspired you to do what you do today? Dr. John D. Martini, easily. Am I meant to say this in a rapid way? I feel like we should be going rapid here. Dr. John D. Martini, most inspirational person that I've ever met in my life. Second to that would be my parents, easily. Two people come to Australia, have no clue what it looks like. My dad just thinks that there's um, a chance to do something special. Two kids, one on the way, $2,000 in pocket. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it. And at a very racist time in Australia. So Dr. John Martini, number one, and my parents have always been some of my greatest inspirations. Oh, then let me just mention one more, my fiance, Renee. I got to say I'm inspired by her every day. Oh, so beautiful. If there was one thing that you cannot live a day without, whether it's physical or non-physical, what would it be? Oh, wow. Renee would say herself, but <laughs> <laughs> what would I say? Oh, I don't know. I mean, in COVID, if I look right now, what could I not live without? I might say Renee. And I think because she is such a balancer for me, you know, like she just brings new experiences, new foods. I wasn't a foodie. I was a bodybuilder, chicken, rice, broccoli, whatever. She is consistently altering the world that I live in, the experiences that I have. I'm 37. I'm discovering new foods and going, why hasn't this been in my life? So I think at this stage, her, she's my rock, especially living here in Sydney. We can't even hang out with you guys because of everything going on. So she is definitely the one thing at the moment that keeps an eye on the things that I don't keep an eye on, sees the things that I don't see. And when I'm really busy and crazy in a very inspired workload, she's the one that reminds me and she pulls and pushes things to make sure I'm as balanced as I can be. So Renee. Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think that having a partner that balances you is so important and they don't necessarily have to be the same as you. You don't necessarily have to be with someone that is exactly the same or also in business or also driven or also in medical or whatever. It's actually nice to have someone to end the day with that just understands, listens and challenges you to be a better person every day. I think that's very important. Yeah, you and I uh, went intensely into this on your relationship. You know, I'll just tell your audience straight out, it was so much fun. We found out that the pairs of opposites between the two of you is actually your strength when at times you fought them. You know, that's that's not what I feel really works. And by the end of it, you and I were just laughing and going, you're delegating all the stuff that's lowering your values and he can't wait to take it on board. <laughs> and he's doing the same to you. And you're like, yeah, but I want to do that stuff. And you realize that the strength is in the pairs of opposites. It's like a really well-functioned yeah. team because why would you have two people that are great at the same thing and then weak at the same place? And it's like, you got to hire somebody else now. But having two of you that could, you know, have responsibilities in areas that inspired you, we, we had so much fun doing that. And it, it, and it was, we also laughed at the fact that in our relationships, there are certain things where you're similar to me and we do similarly. And then there are other things that I was closer to Edwin in doing, but we, we both laughed and gave crap to our partners. It, it was good fun. Yeah, it was really funny as well to say like, you know, imagine if you were with someone the same same as you, how much would that get on your nerves? And it's funny, sometimes I see your post and I'm like, yeah, that's that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was stuff just like, like we sat down with this couple that we met in Tasmania and that was so funny. And one of the things he said was he goes, everything in the house has a place for her. I'm like, oh, that's me, that's me. 
And then, um, and then he was going, I just randomly put stuff in places, but then I lose them. And she is passively aggressive. And when she realizes that I keep losing stuff, she'll intentionally move it and hide it in places I won't look. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at Renee and she looked at me and she goes, don't even think about it. And I just looked at, I just looked at his partner and I gave her a high five and I'm like, oh, I like that. And, the, and then the, him and Renee were looking at each other and he goes, oh, no, what have we created? And uh, as a joke, I said, oh, don't you know, we, we chat to each other. We've got a secret network and we just, we bag you guys out for not being able to put things in the same place and the craziness that you live your life. We go, we love it. It's what keeps our relationships working. So, you know, and that's what, that's what makes relationships fun. These people do your head in. And at the same time, they're the things that you love most more than anything else. They're like a brother or sister or family member because you have, you know, that closeness to them as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, but but giving crap to your partner has to be one of the most fun things that you can do. I, I love it. Absolutely. I know Renee does it to me too. Where do you see yourself in five years' time, Emmanuel? Hopefully with a little mini-me that Renee and I are taking a lot of Insta-worthy photos around our house that they that our little mini-me will hate me for in the future. Building a home in Sydney, continuing to get bigger and extend out the property to our dream home. And Renee working more heavily in the business and sharing inspirational things, especially around women. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but 75-80% of my clientele are women. And um, I feel like I'm helping the, the women's rights movements or something because there are so many different aspects of what I communicate about with women that most men wouldn't even have an insight into. But it's also because I grew up with a lot of best friends that were women. So talking about periods and menstrual cycles and guys and everything, I kind of got to see behind the enemy fence and then got comfortable with it. So uh, seeing Renee take on a bit of that as well and then seeing her really grow, I think is going to be very inspiring to me. And then seeing how our child comes in with that mix as well, it's going to be very interesting having two parents that are highly into personal development they'll probably friggin' hate it and hate us but i think they're the three things that we'll be most inspired to do and then the last thing is hopefully just traveling the world with all of this uh time away from traveling i cannot wait to get to bali or somewhere like that amazing that is so so nice to hear thank you so much emmanuel uh for joining us and I'm so grateful to have you on the show. It is always so lovely when we chat and I can't wait to share more stories and um, to do more Facebook lives and things like that. And I'm certain that this time, these rocky periods are going to improve and that very soon we'll be catching up in person, face-to-face over some plates of delicious food and sharing new stories and having more laughs. 100% can't wait to have food with you guys and give crap to our partners and have everybody laughing and being merry so um yeah very excited for that (laughs) thank you so much good to have you thank you for having me see you everybody